Welcome, one and all, to the motherfucking Darkstream podcast. I'm Darth Camgentes. Darth Rictus, and it's Christmas Day, kind of. Kind of. We've, it's Hanukkah. <laughs> we've got the new anthologies out for Explorer and Historic, but most importantly, Explorer. And it's glorious. Do They're, we want to say anything about Historic? I mean, they gave us two cards that were cool and a whole bunch of bullshit I don't care about. Right, and those two cards being Tarmogoyf and... Chalice of the Void. Chalice of the Void. I didn't take a close look. I saw the Tarmogoyf. I think we had the same conversation about it, like, oh man, just a couple more cards and, and maybe, you know, <laughs> which we might have mentioned last week. I mean, should I have just cracked uh, other packs and grabbed wild cards and then, you know what I mean? Oh, you I bought it, didn't you? I, I bought both. You just, always do. I was just like, you know what? Click, 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 done. Don't care. That was 50 bucks down the drain. <laughs> Moving on. Now I've got the anthologies, right? It wasn't the wisest move financially, but it was the most convenient in the exact moment. And Wizards knows that, which is what I fell for. Well, you know, maybe someday our content will generate revenue and it can be a write-off. You never know. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> someday, maybe. I was actually starting to think of maybe creative tax structures to try and maximize these things. Not what this podcast is about. But no. <laughs> on my mind. <laughs> on my mind. But, uh, you know, it, the, the other big piece that came in is the glitch qualification. I don't know how aware you are. I don't know what the fuck it is. Okay, so Wizards glitched when they released the anthology, and the glitch changed the rankings for everybody. Oh, uh, boy. So all of a sudden, people that were in the 93rd percentile were in the top 200. Uh -huh. And people like me who were in the top 300 got bumped out to, I think, like 1,700 or something. And I'm oh, like, no. what happened? Oh, God. I thought I decayed like crazy. I was like, no. <laughs> that explains a lot, you know, because when I logged in, I was in percent numbers. Yeah. Right. And the last time I had played, I'd gone on like a, I think I went 2 2, which is not where you want to be in the top 500. It knocked me out of the top 500. But, right. Yeah. I was shocked to be at like 93% or some shit. Like, what the flying fuck? God damn. People must be out here killing it. Yeah, so they had the glitch, and everybody was, Twitter was aflame with it. They're like, what the fuck? And a couple of people were like, I did it! Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Twitter is always aflame. True, true. It's a good way to pull, good point. Regardless, uh, they announced within 24 hours, they're like, we're looking into it, and then about 12 hours later, give or take, they're like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Because we're sorry. They, because, no, 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 they did, they did it one better. They did something oh. good this time. Oh. They said, we are really sorry for this, so what we're going to do is if you were in the top 500 before the glitch, auto-queued. You don't have to wait till the end of the month. You don't have to be in the top 250. If you were in the top 500, which my account was, oh, auto-queued. I, I, don't, I don't remember whether I was. They'll, it'll, it'll show at the end of this month. They'll give you, but you auto-queue for that. Interesting. Also, if you were in the top 1,500 before the glitch, um, but not in the top 500, so 500 to 1,500, you get 25, 20 qualifier play-in points automatically to do those qualifier play-in tournaments whenever you want. Seems like I ought to probably get that. Yeah. My guess is you'll get at least that. You may get the other one as well, but I know I was in around the 300 range, so that glitch queued me in. Nice. <laughs> so I'm queued up for Alchemy, which I have to learn now because they changed it Boom. from Historic because their format was failing. Uh... <laughs> and they're, they're like, all right, all right, nobody likes Alchemy. We'll force it. We'll force it. <laughs> You'll play it. How do you like me now? <laughs> well, now I hope I don't queue. <laughs> Right, if you get the qualifier play, those points. Yeah, those those points you can use them at any point. Right, they they don't go away. I already got twenty from last last month. I'm just so how many do you need? Twenty to qualify for something? No, no, no. Twenty puts you in the tournament. It gives you one chance at the qualifier tournament the day before the uh the actual qualifier. Okay, so it like puts you into a funnel that you can if you clear the funnel, you are now in the qualifier. Basically, instead of paying an entry fee for a PPTQ, you just get the qualifier points to go into it. So it's a free PPTQ. Okay, but those those events are open to anybody regardless, right? Yes. You just don't have to pay. Yes. So why is it 20 points? Why isn't it just like one token like they do with drafts? Because they give you, because their whole economy is based on, all right, let's make you get three qualifier playing points if you 5-0 these events. And this is, how oh, they, okay. this is how they get you to just do these challenges and other things because there's a little light at the end of the rainbow if you XO If you it. rack them up. Yeah, which some people do. I, there's an account I've seen on Twitter that it's best to seven. And if you hit seven wins before you hit two losses, you get one qualifier point. Where do you see where those points are? Because I know I've done that. They don't show you those until the, until the day that it's open. And then you'll see exactly how many you have. And you can use them if you'd like. Yeah, that's 
another glitch. Granted, they just overhauled the UI as well, which I'm sure you I, noticed. <clears throat> I did. I did. It, it looks uh, clearer and uglier. Yes, exactly what I was thinking myself. <laughs> it's, it's lovely how clear it is, but goddamn, it turned into like an Amazon storefront almost. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to tell what you're doing and, and just, I don't know who did the aesthetics, but mid. Lower mids. You went for a storefront off of WordPress, basically. And that's what we got. But at least it's clear. I'll give them that. They didn't fix a lot of the other glitches. Uh, apparently, there's been a sound glitch for three three weeks now that they haven't fixed. How but the fuck would I know? I know, right? Neither you know of us care. the sound of Arena is? Uh, for me, currently, it is the Mandalorian. <laughs> that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm at the Mandalorian. Yes. So it's almost time to to go through the sequel trilogy, which I have very mixed feelings about. <laughs> oh god no 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 there's there's if i'm gonna go all the way through the canon i have to watch star wars rebel not rebels the resistance cartoon is it any good no okay <laughs> as long as we're clear <laughs> no it's it's canon though but everything after post mando just sucks got it <laughs> yeah after well no after mando is boba fett people have different opinions about boba fett i liked it quite a bit um i i agreed with the criticisms of how the pacing was done sure um, but I, I still liked it quite a bit. Gotcha. But the after Boba Fett is Star Wars Resistance. Yeah, Rebels is fucking dope. Rebels is fire. But Resistance, I, I watched it all already once while playing, and those are probably the games I paid the closest attention <laughs> to what I was doing. Because it, it starts off with like some some fucking kid who's just got too much of a mouth on him. Yeah. And like he's sent on a mission from Poe Dameron or something that's kind of vague to like gather again. I was not paying super close attention because it was not great. And it, it feels sort of like a Japanese anime sort of, cause where, where they're at is this outpost where they have these different pilots that are, they do races like all the time to see who gets to like live in the nice part. Sure. And I don't, I don't know. It's just like, it reminded me a lot of like animes that I'd seen when I was a kid or something. And just, I, I don't remember any of the characters' names or anything compelling about it. You know, like I recognized Poe Dameron. Well, at least, I mean, that's that's a pretty good way of knowing it wasn't good that you can't remember much of it. Right. <laughs> Normally when it comes to Star Wars, uh, I would say most millennials, in fact, are pretty good at the lore and the canon of it and understand. I mean, like, I don't love the, the what do they call them? Not the prequels, the sequels. Yeah. But I, I know them by heart. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of the problem with the the sequel era stuff is that it doesn't actually contribute much to lore. Mm. If you, I mean, we get what Sith wayfinders that we didn't get much of an explanation about. I imagine that gets explained more in the Darth Sidious book. That is the basis of a great deal of YouTube content I've been watching for months. But <laughs> I mean, w within the movies themselves, we don't, we don't really get much that's new, you yeah. know, star killer base being, uh, the former planet Ilum was kind of interesting, mm. but they don't mention that at all during those movies. Well, yeah, that would, that would require writing to be. Yeah. It was one of those kind okay. of, I don't know if they like, <laughs> that was the case or it was an after the fact, like let's somehow tie this to what's happening. But anyway, so we're getting there. We're getting there. It's, it's all getting fixed. I feel like I'm, I'm optimistic. Like it's going to get the treatment <laughs> the, that the prequels got. Yeah. You know, we're, we're starting to see pieces come together. It'll make sense somehow. I hope. <laughs> Now, as to explore and oh, right magic, right, right, right. The other part of this brand, <laughs> Star Wars is in it pretty heavily, but Very. the other side of it. <laughs> so we've got, uh, I think, seven ish clear winners coming out of this, uh, this anthology. We've got Kalidus going into Rakdos midrange hot and or machine head, depending on how you build it. And it's good. It's really good. It's so good. I'm already up to two in the main. I've changed the builds. It's yeah, I, I knew it was, we were talking about that, I think, when we streamed earlier this week of, you know, like, as soon as I was looking at Kalidus, just thinking, well, this checks these boxes, and even if it's just one or two in the main, that's going to result in the entire reworking of the deck because of what it brings to the table, and that's what it was. It's I have reworked the deck substantially. Yeah, but wow, so powerful. I've gotten one Cat Oven player, I resolved it, they looked at it, uh -huh. looked at it, looked at it, scooped. Yeah. I was like, yeah, those cats don't do much now. <laughs> it might kill that deck. I hope it does. It might, because it just casually shuts them off. Yep. It, it shuts them off. The life gain's super relevant. You can't... Four toughness is a lot for them to deal with. I mean, they're going to have to start playing, like, cut to ribbons. You also can't do 
claim the firstborn on it, which is huge. Yeah. There, there's it no sure stealing that fucker. <laughs> there's no stealing that fucker. You can fatal push it. You can. Which is actually one of the changes I made to my build for Machine Head. Mm. Is I cut Sakenzin mm. and I cut, um, oh shit, Shatter Skull Pass. Yeah. And I put in two fables. Interesting. Okay. To improve my mana base a little bit. Because I noticed that we kept playing Shatter Skull as a land over and over and over and over. Yeah. And the conclusion was like, okay, this deck just wants 25 land. Yeah. Um, but I was looking at, you know, Kalidus, like that's a big deal in the mirror. Yes. So I needed to make my fatal pushes a little bit better and more capable of consistently killing Kalidus. It also helps with the invokes. Yeah. Which I've, I'm back and forth on whether they belong in the main or the sideboard, but two belong in the 75. I've got two in the board right now. That's where I'm too. I've I'm, got two in the board and... um. Yeah, I think, I think I ended up on the upper curve, like two Kalidus, two Chandra, two Glorybringer. Then there's two Invoke in the side. And that's about where my upper end of the curve has shifted yep, to. Same. I've got my upper end of the curve in the main right now is two Chandra, uh, two Kalidus, two Glorybringer. Sideboard, I've got another Kalidus. Nice. Um, two Invokes. And I, I think that's what supplements the upper curve. I, the, the Vraska's is now gone. Contempt? Yep. Yep, I made the cut as well. <laughs> Kalidus just changed the way the whole deck plays. And it's I've I've ground out more than a few games just testing it out late at night, and it's been so good. I now have a second K command in the sideboard, and I have revised my position on it in the mirror match because I've increased the creature count this way. Oh, okay. Okay. And getting back Kalidus and getting back Glorybringer. Uh, while also killing a reflection of Kiki Jiki is a big fucking game. Or killing anything. Any of the you got to kill a lot of two toughness shit. Yeah, between blood ties and fables, you've got 12 targets. And, and you need to do it economically because they're coming out economically. Yes. So, yeah, the, the bone crushers, I think I've got a total four to board into now. Nice. So the other two in the sideboard and a, an additional uh, K command to be pulling these creatures back. So I, I guess the important thing is we, we figured out kind of where we're going forward with Rakdos midrange. How is it going to affect uh, this anthology for the other decks? Because I've looked at, into a few other decks too briefly. Elvish Mystic did make uh, Green Devotion better. It did not break it. Nykthos did not get reprinted. Nope. I've watched a bunch of streamers really late at night trying to pull together different versions of that, whether it's Mono Green Aggro or it's uh, Mono Green Devotion or Devotionless Devotion, however they want to say it. Faithless Devotion. Uh, either way, I don't care how many Garrick's Harbingers you bring in we run a lot of red removal. So now I am kind of interested still in that idea because we, we got Siege Rhino, didn't we? Yes. So here's what, and we got Tireless Tracker, right? Yes. So I am kind of interested in a deck that has all of those cards mm. and um, some Asika's Chariots. Some Abzan you know. Midrange? Yeah, yeah, some Abzan Midrange. We slide in at least one Grease Fang just for the bring back the Chariot business. Um, I, and, and I'm also really interested as well in um, five mana Lily in that deck mm. so that we could, because it, it seems like it's going to be hard to kill a Siege Rhino. I haven't played one yet, nor have I had one played against me, because mm. I think that deck needs to be figured out still. I saw a Niv-Mizzet list running that and Fable, and they got to copy Siege Rhino with Kiki. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's going to eat Machine Head for breakfast if they can make that deck consistent. Oh, another thing we didn't mention is Slaughter Games. Is back. Yeah, I have one of those in my sideboard. I haven't, but I haven't seen a combo I'm that scared of yet. I don't have it there for combo. I, right now, my sideboard is, you know, as usual for Machine Head, a couple two-ofs, and then the rest is all one-ofs. Sure. And I tossed in one because I have more room now because of Kalidus. There's this additional padding of the life total, and there's an additional hard threat, and there's additional graveyard hate. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that against some of the Gandalf builds, if you were to take their Teferis, you would be playing a very different game. Because then they can really only threaten you with Dream Trawlers. Mm. Like, there's nothing else in that deck. I, the Wandering Emperor is not a real threat. The Wandering Emperor is, like, the best they can do to do a cryptic command imitation in this format. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's, it's a cryptic for white. The only way that Wandering Emperor can get there is if it goes un, un, unmatched, unquestioned. Right. And 
Machine Head is really good at continuing to kill things, especially things with low loyalty or not much power and toughness. Wandering Emperor also suffers the unfortunate part of there being no other creatures to target. So like when it minuses, they get their they get their two for one, right? But only kind of because sometimes they you're gotta follow it up with another body to get the plus. Right. So they make their two two half the time, and then you're like, oh, thank God, Bone Crusher finally relevant. You know, well, even like if that. they didn't, you just then bone crush the emperor. Right. <laughs> and if you don't have that and, you know, somehow they've still got the emperor anyway, that's fine. Just activate either of your creature lands and attack. Yeah. And you'll get it. I mean, blue, white Supreme Verdict was a huge get. Huge get. But that's um, just an answer. Like like Wandering Emperor, it's just an answer. And if, the, the problem it has with, with this machine head deck is that we attack on three axes. And that hope. is the problem with blue-white control against it because six man lands, that's a lot. You're going to see one of them statistically every game, pretty much. And then you're also going to have walkers and creatures. When you think about what the, the Gandalf decks are doing, they have incredible one-for-one -one answers. Yes. And they rely on Teferi at some point in the game to make up the card advantage that you are getting naturally through the synergy of your deck pieces. Yeah that you're assembling over the course of the game. Teferi sticks, they win. Teferi doesn't stick, they're fucked. Almost mm -hmm. every time. Dream Trawler is like an additional copy of Teferi, except it's better against you. But that's fundamentally what those cards are. Is so I, I am kind of curious, though, what happens if... Because, again, it's uncounterable. It will resolve. Yes. If you get a Slaughter Games on curve and you just strip Teferi out of their deck, they're on Trawler or nothing. Yeah, and Trawler, there are answers. And frankly, if we're really worried about Trawler... Um, the card Soul Shatter comes to mind as an interesting way through because it nails Teferi's and Trawler's. Perhaps. Uh, I, I haven't gone back to emphasizing anything specific for Trawler at this point because we now have the Invokes. Yes. Which handles Trawler. But although I've run into a problem with that because I got it a turn after Trawler had been down so they were able to untap and then use Castle Ardenvale to make a 1-1. Ooh, yeah, that's... In response to it, you know, and they must have known I had it. So we're just playing this game where, like, I'm trying to kill their 1 1 and then, like, kill this before it kills me or spirals out of control. Right. So, yeah, Soul, soul Shatter might be something worth considering. I really don't like the three mana stuff that's super narrow. Agreed. Again, like, I'd almost rather go back to Angrath's Rampage, although Soul Shatter, it's, it's a lot easier to get through, especially if it's like that turn five, here's to Fairy. Here's the plus to draw a card, and before they get to untap, you just shatter it away. Mm -hmm. Or here's the, you know, the big dumb, big dumb trawler. And yeah, I've got like three or four cards in hand, but no mana up to even Dwari dispute or censor. I've got a single copy sitting in the main of Rakdos mid, and that was where I moved off of Raska's Contempt towards that because I wanted an answer to uh, Chandra Glorybringer, Kalidus, Dream Trawler, Teferi. Yeah, that sounds, as you're talking about it in that context, that actually sounds really good. It was, it was a spicy one of, I haven't gotten to play with it enough to know if it's good, but it's a spicy one of, and I also saw like the Garrick's Harbingers coming in and I saw some of these other things like Nissa's getting resolved and I'm like, I just need, that has to die the turn it comes out. Yeah, I, I, I liked the card and I remember considering it in previous incarnations of the deck and the problem I kept running into is that the three drop spot is absolutely fucking crammed. Mm -hmm. And we can get to 12, and that's really, really the upper end, and you're going to get a much clunkier hand unless, like, three of those are Bone Crusher Giants. Yep. But... Well, it fits in for me as number 12, because I do the four Trespasser, four Fable, two Bone Crusher, Culligans, and a Soul Shatter. And that's number 12 for me. But I agree, more than 12, super clunky. And 12 is, is pushing it. And it, it actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I might have moved my third bone crusher to the main, and that might be where I have room to give on that. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. So other decks that uh, got quite a bump, Blue Spirits did get a huge bump with Mausoleum Yes, Order. I played one match against them, and it was, I only saw it game one, turn one, but it made a big fucking difference. Huge. Because I couldn't thought seize them on the draw. Yep. <laughs> I, I played with Blue Spirits briefly because I was curious about it. And uh, the build I have has three entrancing melodies sitting in the sideboard. Nice. Which, against the people that are sitting on those new blue-white affinity lists within Soul Artifact, entrancing melodies broken against them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's two mana steal your 5-5 five, five indestructible. It's yeah, that's, that's a three for one. 
Yes. That's a two mana three for one. Yeah. Woo. So if you're mono blue spirit, you're like, how do I beat this aggro deck? Three entrancing melody. Go for it. It's Sexy. a blowout. Yeah. It's an absolute blowout. Stone coil serpent, two mana for their five, five. Oh yeah. Ginger brutes, all that stuff. Like you just grab their best shit for four mana or less total. And in the meantime, the pressure you put on, it, it needed that third excellent spirit one drop and wanderer is it. It's so much better as a deck. I've played with it uh, enough to, I, I just took the pioneer list. I literally ported a pioneer list. It's got everything from pioneer basically now. When people are just barely beginning to understand how you play with mausoleum wanderer, I got to play with it a little bit in standard. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this was the standard right before they banned smugglers copter. Mm -hmm. So I had like a spirits smugglers copter deck and it substantially only works because of smugglers copter. Right. <laughs> but mausoleum wanderer let me get especially with like rattle chains or any of the flash spirits where they think they're good on their math and yeah. you just pop it down and it gets that bonus and now it's like it's two four spikes fucker <laughs> right <laughs> fuck your planeswalker it's it's very powerful the deck has gotten a lot better i still don't know if it's good enough to be rakdos mid i need to run more but my my inclination is a no because no that is what rakdos mid is built to be no it's it's a small creature deck it's a small creature tempo deck um it ought to probably pick up one of the three games in the match <clears throat> but that's how it goes with rakdos mid yeah. it's pretty rare that you 2-0 a match you tend to have to lose a game in there somewhere yeah uh but it, if there's a way for blue to retool itself to beat Rakdos mid, it will be at the expense, almost certainly, of what fundamentally makes the deck work. Yeah, it's not the deck I think that I would pick for any tournaments in the near future, but it's worth knowing that if we get to a place where all the decks that are designed to beat Rakdos mid are the ones that go big... Right, if Spirits we're using Niv-Mizzets to grab Siege Rhinos, then Spirits will beat the living piss out of that. And it is a much stronger choice, in my opinion, than Mono Red for that. Because Mono Red has issues with like deafening clarions and all the wraths and Mono Blue Siege Spirits. Rhino. Mono Blue Spirits doesn't give a shit. Siege Rhino is a nightmare for Mono Red decks of any stripe. Right. Four or five body by itself, big fucking problem. Gain three life on that, enormous problem. Lose three life and give the fucker trample. <laughs> the minute they turn the corner, you can't do shit about it. It just comes pounding through. Yeah. Rhino does stomp there, but against spirits, it can't block a damn thing. Yep. So you just ignore it, and you're like, oh, it's a nice helix, and you've got a clock now. Okay, cool, but your clock started on turn four, mine started turn one. We're, we're winning it this. It probably didn't resolve anyway. Probably not. It probably didn't resolve. They have eight counter spells. Oh, they go down a lot now. No, the counters got cut hard. Uh, Interesting. The, the new builds uh, curve out much lower. Uh, they don't have lofty denials anymore. They play the four Geislight Snare because it's still busted. Oh, I saw somebody playing lofty against me. I've I've seen lists that play one to two, but the good list, like I'm saying you can port the pioneer list, which is really good. And they called it correctly, I think, and you play slip out the backs and you're just protecting your that early drops. Makes me giggle. Yeah. You're you're just you're protecting early drops. You got a couple brazen borrowers at the top end. You don't run more than the four lords that are the phantoms. You're, you don't run the three drops that suck. You run almost no three drops, just the two brazen borrowers and the four guys light snares, and everything else is one and two. And I used to think the shackle guys weren't that great. But holy fuck, can you do good combat math with that? It was wild to me how many times Blue Spirits was like, ah, you know, like you pound for three and you hold two spirits back. That's not that great. And all of a sudden they've got 10 damage the next turn and they tap yep. down your army. Yep. So it's it's a really, really good deck. You don't, I don't think it needs the lofty denials. I think it keeps a couple in the sideboard, but you play other counters in your sideboard for the go big decks. You have your disdainful strokes, your aether gusts, your mystical disputes. Sure. And in the meantime, the four guys light snares, you just need one usually to hit the one spell. And in the meantime, you're putting so much pressure on. Yeah, if, if slip out the backs, getting the job done. Cool. It's It's been excellent so far. I've had a lot of games where I go turn one spirit. And if they don't immediately push it, then it's safe forever. And they can't do shit about it. I suppose I'm also thinking of a world in which spirits is the right call because it is these big honking decks that are grinding out machine head. Yes. In which case, I would want more counter spells. Yes. Because that is fundamentally how you beat these decks. Is, oh, you paid four mana, I pay two and say nay. Yeah, and if I was going to go that route, I'd probably look into cutting the brazen borrowers from the main. Um, Logical. That seems like that would be the slot. Is you, when, when bouncing isn't good enough. Yeah, you, when you've got to keep, this, you got to keep the spirit count high. So that's where you go, and that is your, 
only three drop. Everything else is below that on the curve, so you can go kind of nuts with uh, being able to hold mana back and double spell on their turn, which is great. So Spirits is where I would shift if Machine Head gets completely taken out by these decks that are going bigger, which Mono Green Devotion is aiming to do right now. I do want to point out, too, I think that we may, not sure, but may, uh, have a window to perhaps look at some Constrictor stuff. Hardened Scales is a deck that was tried last night. It's got a lot to be said about it because Hangerback Walkers around. Exactly. Um, I did see it get blown out by Rakdos mid because they brought in Hidetsugu's. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta have plans. Hidetsugu was nuts against it. I mean, having played a lot of Constrictor decks in the past, you you don't just like slap in your synergy cards and go because, yeah, Fatal Push kills your best shit. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta have a plan for how you're gonna do shit. And I, I don't know if it's viable, but. I want to note there's a lot of great pieces here. We don't have the three mana Nissa that I think would probably be pretty close to sealing the deal on that viability. Yeah, I, and again, who was it? The streamer Ash Lizzle is the name of the streamer, and she was uh, playing it last night on Twitch, really late, and it was it looked like it was gonna take it down because at one point she had two hardened scales uh, and. Shaper Sanctuary, post-board against Rakdos mid, game three. Yeah. And she had a board presence. It looked good. And then they just went, Hidetsugu blew all that out and then followed it up with an Anger of the Gods. See, I'm not even sure Hardened Scales is the right call. I okay. mean, like, literally Snake. Sure. Because Snake can attack, and yeah, it doesn't get blown out by, like, Hidetsugu, and doesn't get cleaned up by Invoke Despair, and isn't... Uh, if they're going to march it, it's not going to be quite as cheap, and it's also going to be another threat creating pressure. And part of the reason I think we need three mana Nissa for that to work is so you get that play pattern of like, whatever, whatever, get to three mana Nissa, deploy it, make the plant. Right. And then the next turn, you go like, snack some other creature, minus Nissa, pump the team plus two, two. And okay, pick any piece to get rid of, it's a fucking problem. Right. And then you could also deploy Snake and leave up mana to do one of the, like, Snakeskin Veil would probably be the one of choice for that deck. Oh, yeah. Absolutely for that deck. Yeah, the, the deck's close to Viable. I don't think it's quite there based on what I saw. Um, and I only saw a few different matches, but it looked like it was struggling. I'm calling it right now, though. Every time we see new cards come out that fuck with plus one one counters, we need to look at Snake because it's getting close. Agreed. Agreed. And that uh, the blue white affinity list is next on the list of things to to think about, and it's getting close as well. They were really careful not to put shrapnel blast in this. If they'd given us shrapnel blast, that blue red list from Pioneer would have been viable, and that one is fucking scary to play against within souls and trap blasts. Oof. Yeah, that that is a deck that puts pressure on turn one sometimes. And this one's no, I mean, this one's a little slower, which is probably the death knell of it. But it was. I bashed it up against Rakdos mid a few times and came out ahead both times. It was wild to see how effective Insol Artifact is on Darksteel Citadel. Just almost no answer every time. Yeah, it's, well, a long time ago, you had identified Hazaret as being an excellent threat right. against Machine Head, and having a turn to unconditional Hazaret is pretty fucking dope. It's a lot. It's a lot. And granted, you're not going to get that even, you know, 70% of the games. But you're going to get it maybe a quarter of the time, and those games are almost freebies against Rakdos. Yeah, as, as the Machine Head player, you'd basically have to put up a chump blocker every turn within one turn of that deployment. Yeah. Which the deck can do, but, I mean, can you close and deal with the other shit that's happening at the same time? Not always. And I found a, a way around, because at, at, at a certain point, I was doing this testing with a, a fellow uh, that I met named Vert that works with us in the Discord from time to time, young kid, good dude. And so we, we do some one-on-one -on -one testing from time to time because you know he's up late and so am I. And we were running this, this series back and forth on Rakdos Mid versus Blue Eyed Affinity. And he's a strong player, so I knew it was solid testing. And the, uh, the, the piece that I kept seeing was that even if they dealt with the Ensoul artifact somehow, which happened once the build shifted with Soul Shatters and things like that, um, this blue-eyed deck, I, I put in two treasure vaults because now you can have up to six artifact lands to Ensoul 
or you can have up to eight, but six is where you want to be because color requirements are a thing. Right. And we don't have Springleaf Drum yet. We have Moonsnare Prototype, which is the bastard child of Springleaf Drum. And unless you're in blue already, in which case it's far better. I wouldn't even say far better because Springleaf gets you colored mana. And it's a huge issue that Moonsnare doesn't. It's racist that you look at it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Look at all the other things that Moonsnare can do. <laughs> Just always looking at color. Judge it on its merits. <laughs> the content of its flavor box. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not the color of its mana. Yes. Didn't even read its channel ability, did you? <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, it, it's it's got a lot of problems in dealing with Antiquities War, which is the other part that I started putting in because now you have all these lands that animate into 5-5 five, five Indestructibles off Antiquities War for a turn. Yeah, that's cool. And Antiquities War can find more of those lands. <laughs> it sure can. <laughs> so, I'm glad that Antiquities War is starting to see its day. I mean, I'm the only one I know that's running it, but it was a blowout against Rakdos when I played it. Dude, I remember when Dominaria dropped and I saw that card in it, and that was one of the very few spec cards where like, I just grabbed a play set, like, no way, this isn't broken. <laughs> and it's seen zero play so far. I think it'll see its day. The, the key with Antiquities War is realizing that it's not meant to be in a grindy deck. It's meant to be the top end of an aggro deck. It's it's the card that seals the fucking deal when you run out of steam and you're like, all right, what do I do with all these portable holes? Right. The well, answer it's is like make the, them five like fives. the aggro decks of today that need to be able to grind. And I, I think that transition goes back all the way to um, Frenzied Experiment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, experimental Frenzy. Yeah, yeah, Experimental Frenzy, where, you know, we, we're seeing matches of mono red against uh, Azorius Control or against... Um, Esper control mm -hmm. and these decks that were designed specifically to beat red and they're going to like turn 25 right? <laughs> and the red player is still in it and sometimes takes it down yeah. because of frenzy. And I, you know, the, the way that aggro decks work, it's like back in the day, like way back in the day, you'd like play an Armageddon or something and you just like, you're going to get there with the stupid dorks you have left behind. That was the beauty of Armageddon. People can hate on that card, but it was so to have that card it sure ended the fucking game right <laughs> but it allowed all these dumb creatures to be relevant too which was kind of fun but now your four drop isn't something that's going to end the game it's something that's okay i haven't managed to kill you by turn four or five <laughs> so this is how i'm going to get you on turn seven yeah here's our showdown of the skulls experimental frenzy antiquities war right. name the four mana engine that they've printed because they've printed a lot of them a lot 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 and they're all there to make sure aggro can just grind with the control decks that they've given all this to yeah and being on the other end of that with mid-range you're just kind of like okay <laughs> all right i'm gonna kill five things somehow <laughs> or i'm gonna do lethal in the next two turns somehow <laughs> So in Soul Artifacts, uh, definitely a huge win for that deck. Darksteel Citadel, a huge win for the Affinity deck that was close and is now probably tier 1.5 instead of tier 2.5. And uh, again, that's something that every single set we get more artifacts. Yeah. And it's going to require a checkup every time new cards come in. And I'm stoked on that. I'm stoked we've got decks like that now. Yeah. Where they're just maybe one or two cards away from popping up into tier one. Humans definitely got the axe on this one. Instead of getting Reflector Mage, which they had really, really hoped to see, they got nothing. I hope that we just never see it. Unless <laughs> they turn this full into Pioneer. I don't think they will. They purposefully left out specific engine cards they could have put in, and I don't think they're... I think they're using Explorer as an experiment of like, what if we ban these in Pioneer? I could see that. I could see Pioneer over time reflecting Explorer more than Explorer reflects Pioneer. Explorer seems to be the the grounds for testing out what they wish Pioneer could have been, but they're not sure if they can ban these cards yet. Right, it's the Watsy version of a what if. Yeah, it really is. Explorer is what if Pioneer. And, and much like the MCU, the what ifs are hot fire. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But they've kept out Swift Spear, they've kept out Treasure Cruise, Temporal Trespass, Dig Through Time, Reflector Mage, Spell Queller. Uh, they, I, I think the other thing that really pushes you towards thinking this is pioneer light you know like the new updated potential what if pioneer is that we saw the winota ban reflect across yep 
you know, they, they, they saw it in Explorer and they're like, all right, that's enough of that. This really was that busted. We're, we're I would done. I'd love to see that happen. I mean, I, I do want to see the formats merge. Yes. And I do want there to be one awesome eternal format that we can play all fucking day and night on Arena instead of sleeping, which we desperately should be doing. <laughs> but Magic instead, because YOLO. Cardboard crack. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, being able, like, dude, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to be able to fucking go play a paper tournament. Oh, yeah. With the deck that I've been fucking grinding and perfecting for who knows how long it would be by then. But yeah, fuck, yeah, I'd, I'd pick up the Rakdos shit, man. I'd put together like a paper Rakdos deck. If it was in eternal format. Yes, I just sold all my Kalidas's, but <laughs> no, I sold two of three hilariously. <laughs> I mean, worst case, they're great programs to rent decks now, which is, might be more of what I do if it's just like I need this for an RCQ. I mean, realistically, it's hard for me to see like doing competitive paper in my life at this point. It's so much more convenient to do the digital. Like I've played a lot of competitive digital even over the last few months and it's been great. Those Sunday tournaments go so fast. I love it. Yeah. Like the rounds, 126 players and the round went 40 minutes because people are on arena. They're used to playing at a quicker pace. There isn't this shuffle shit that you have to do. Sideboarding is instantaneous, not... You know, you got to pick up. It's just so much shit that gets, it's done. It's clean. It's yeah. easy. And when the round's over, you just click two buttons and wait for the next round to start. That definitely beats the awkward, like your opponent that just lost is like slowly packing their shit up or like trying to bolt away. I mean, there's just no way. Like most people lose a match. At least it's been a long time since I've played competitive. So I'm going to say it's been a while. But in my experience, those many, many moons ago. Yeah. People did not often lose with um dignity grace or dignity right <laughs> no it's like either a sit there and be kind of weird and be like well if you hadn't drawn this or if i'd had that and you just their own what if series right? yeah the fucking wish in one hand and shit in another fuck off goddamn or it'd be like the real quick pack shit up and run away and you're like all right thanks for signing the slip i guess every so often you get a really cool person who's like I love your deck. That's so awesome. And then like you talk about it. Yeah, or, and then you got a new friend just like that. Yeah, that was the best part of some of these competitive tournaments is the ones who weren't salty ended up being a part of this awesome community. Yeah. Well, this is part of what made it worth it is you could play against fucking 10 salty cocksuckers in a row. Yeah. And then the 11th person would wind up being like somebody that you fucking hang with a lot. Yeah. And that happened at a lot of these tournaments for me. And I, I honestly, it was a kind of a fun community thing for me at these tournaments anyway, because, you know, we're from the Midwest. And one thing I always love is how supportive this community is at these competitive events. Like, yeah, they're like, fuck it, dude. I believe you can eat 36 wings. <laughs> it's not about how much you want. It's about how much you can, my man. <laughs> but after every round, I mean, it was like a group check in. Like, how'd you do? You get there. You didn't get there. You're like, let's, you know, it was commiserate, talk, be a part of the community together. It was always wonderful. And you check in on people that were cool to you during the rounds, too. Like, I remember playing against a few different random people and they were cool. And afterwards, you know, we just hit each other up after the rounds like, yo, how'd it go? Did you get there? You're going to date two, you know, yada, yada. It was awesome. Right. And there's more people to carpool with later and mm -hmm. like shoot the shit with later and you can loan each other cards and shit. Yeah, it's good. You'll loan each other thousands of dollars of cards randomly, but there's like an infinite trust. One of my favorites is I loaned a, a a play set of thought seizes to some dude years ago when it had only been printed once and they cost much more than they do now. Right. And, um, he, he, I don't know, like he had to go somewhere. He had to start a new job or something like that. Yeah. And so the way I got him back was like, I, I dropped in on where his girlfriend worked to like grab them from her on <laughs> shift so I could slot them into my deck and like take it to F and M. Nice. Nice. I've had people where I've loaned stuff out and people have driven across the state, like given it to their friends who are going to a tournament across state lines to meet me at a tournament across state lines yeah. to hand back the cards just so I could use them for that tournament. Then. Yeah, we're really good at organizing <laughs> and scheduling, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we beat the shit out of UPS most days. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe what we need to do is just like have a magic vacation and fucking unionize or I don't know. <laughs> If only we all had the same jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we'd have them by the balls. Oh, my God. But no, we, we buy crack from a drug dealer known as Wizards. <laughs> Happily. 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 Sometimes bitching and screaming the whole way, but it's always take my money. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I can say how much I dislike different parts, but the anthologies dropped and I don't care how bad they were. I still dropped $50 in five seconds. I felt no need. Well, I need two, maybe three Kalidas and probably one Slaughter Games and we're off to the races. <laughs> Fair. I just wanted that account fully loaded. No I, I know you're, you're a completist. <laughs> yes, I am. It drives me nuts that I haven't gone into the Baldur's Gate stuff. What, what broke me of my completist nature, actually, because the first thing that I wanted everything of Mm. that i can remember um was metallica cds yeah and then like lulu came out <laughs> and it just had me rethink the the, the nature of completism <laughs> i really don't even want to remember that lulu exists <laughs> much less fucking own it uh so out of alchemy is the lulu of magic yeah god it really is and i am the table Fortunately, from what I understand, there's still a mono green list in Alchemy that's tearing it up with a 60% plus win rate, and I'm just probably going to do that. Like, I'm not testing this stupid format. I'm yeah, just, fuck that. Play the thing that wins. Yeah. I, I don't think it's changed dramatically in the last three months. Well, it's only been like two months since the last Alchemy qualifier I played in, back when we were still thinking it was going to be a fun format before they just printed bullshit after bullshit. It, it kind of sort of was for a week or two. It was really cool. Yeah, about that first month, it was really cool, and then it all went to shit. But that first month, I ended up playing that first Mythic Qualifier with it. And so I, I remember that green deck, and apparently it hasn't changed, which makes sense. It's only been like three, four months. Sure. And it's around. And it's unless Baldur's Gate put in a bunch of bullshit, that makes sense that a green list will be there. And I'm not going to read Baldur's Gate, so that's that. Read it when it's played against you. Probably not even that. <laughs> Fuck it. Turn them sideways. Yeah, it's it, I know it sounds Attaboy. terrible. Like I'm a competitive player, but there are certain things ah. where I just yeah, there's certain things I won't do. I mean, what, what's the carrot at the end of that stick anyway? <laughs> you know, I mean, is, what do you get if you win one of those events? MCQ Digital Pro Tour. I mean, that's OK. And I think this one actually cues you for the actual Pro Tour now, too, because we were going into the fall where they said if you qualify digitally, it gets you one of each which is huge. That could be cool. That they, could be cool. They also reduce the amount of times you can lose. But I, do, I mean, do they have support like they did? Cause back in the day you get like a plane ticket and all kinds of support. I don't know what their or, support is for paper magic anymore. Cause like I dude, I heard that flying now costs a shitload more than it did. And everyone's quitting airlines because working there sucks as much as working most places. And I'm sure the Karen factor is way higher. Well, you know, and so now it's like you could buy a plane ticket and plan everything to go to a pro tour. It'd be expensive as fuck. And then I don't know, like there's the the banana variant of covid or something <laughs> and the airport's just and, and it's just I'm sorry, buddy. Fuck yourself. No one's going to Vancouver. <laughs> well, the beauty of it is, uh, at least last I checked when I deferred five pro tours in a row after qualifying, which. Apologies, Darby. I know that drove you up a wall <laughs> after beating you out for it and then just not going for five straight fucking pro tours. Well, he got his. He got his. He got to win a pro tour. He, well, at, at the most <laughs> epic way possible. Right. Best pro tour win ever. I, I'd say the karma went real strong there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it, it's hard to imagine anybody ever having a better pro tour win than, than Wyatt Darby had. Yeah. The second most famous, famous one is the Lightning Helix. And, so. For real, like if you're listening to this and you did not watch the pro tour where Wyatt Darby wins the finals, go watch that fucking match. It is the best magic ever caught on film. Yeah, it's the tightest play I've ever seen. It's absurdly tight and complex. The most, the most satisfying ending too. It like had absolute suspense. Absolute suspense followed by the victory, the glorious victory. And an entire, I, I know of at least 50 people in Iowa that went absolutely berserk watching that on a projector screen. Yeah. That was the coolest event I've been at for watching a pro tour. Thank, and, and, I mean, outside of it being one of the very few things on the short list of notable Iowans. Yeah. That Wyatt Darby is now a part of with yeah. Tom Arnold and Slipknot. Yeah. And whoever that dude was that wrestled really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know his name. I just know he won the Olympics. <laughs> that wrestling guy. Yeah, he won the Olympics without giving up a point. He's a legend for life. But I don't know his name because I'm not a boomer and I don't well, follow he, wrestling. He fucking doesn't know who Wyatt Darby is, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> and some people don't know Slipknot. They're fools, but they don't. Like, how could you not know Slipknot at this point? Like Slipknot is so mainstream now. 
I'm saying my boomer parents did not know Slipknot. I, I don't even count boomers. <laughs> okay. At enough. this point, for like anything. Other than their votes. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit. Yeah. I, I just, it's not part of my equation. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Explorer. Rakdos Mid, still the clear winner in my book. It's, Kalidus was the biggest get out of this whole thing. And I don't think it's close. I've heard people say Elvish Mystic. I disagree on every level. Maybe, you know, it was pretty easy to figure out what to do with Kalidus. And Elvish Mystic, that's a bigger game, though, because if you, you can now have eight of those fuckers. There is one deck that hasn't been tried that I want to try. I saw Mistman was streaming it. I didn't check it yet. That has Elvish Mystic that's original. Paradox Engine. That's interesting. That's a little off the wall. I'm kind of into that. You know, I was also just thinking about like a green based, but not mono green, like haste aggro deck. Cause we had uh, a card printed a while ago that was like a fires of Yavimaya only maybe better. There is a gruel deck from pioneer that was missing just Elvish mystic and Mizium mortars. That was good in pioneer and it got everything but mortars and mortars. I'm not saying it's super replaceable, but you do still have other options. Like Cut to Ribbons, the first part of that does the first part of Mizium Mortars, which is typically what it's used for. I'm There's probably better options to roll with. I'm just saying Elvish Mystic was the key piece because you wanted that turn to Gruel Spellbreaker. Sure. You know, you wanted Questing Beast on curve, Ember Cleaves on curve, and Elvish Mystic enables all of that really well. Well, Spellbreaker, but that enchantment, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's from uh, whatever... Um spacing uh ravnica ravnica block that's available on arena and it's like red green one and then your creatures have i don't remember what the ability is called but when they eat to be etb you can either give them a plus one one counter or trample riot riot it gives all your non-token creatures etb riot oh rhythm of the something god damn it it's like rhythm of something rhythm of the wilds or some shit i can't remember the exact yeah rhythm of the bedpost yeah. Um, <laughs> so like Fires of Yavimaya, the solution of that in multiples is that, so it was red, green, one. I shouldn't just assume that everyone knows that card. Enchantment, creatures you control have haste, and you could sack it to give a target creature plus two, two until end of turn. Yeah, this is just better, probably. So yeah, the redundant copies, you would sack and throw at a creature. Sometimes even the one you had, it'd be like the last two damage you get there. But Haste into a shock, eventually, basically. Yeah. But this, yeah, the redundant copies mean, well, they get haste and bigger. Yeah. Because then they have riot, riot. Yeah, there is that. There, that also looks at uh, that Jund uh, Snick scenario, maybe. Uh-huh. Which is interesting. Yeah. Lots of, lots of interesting ideas. You're right. Kalidus is the clear winner only insofar as nobody else has figured out the rest. It's but obvious what to do with Kalidus. It is. You slot it into the best deck in the format and just keep rolling. But... There are going to be other decks emerging, and we'll have to keep an eye on that. Well, and that's part of what I was thinking about with Abzan as well, because mm. I'm looking at the four drops, like Siege Rhino's amazing. You could play Kalidus in that. You can play Asika's Chariot in that. Yeah. And that'd be kind of an interesting place to rotate, because I bet you could probably get away with like seven four drops in an Abzan mid-range deck. So it'd be pretty yeah. easy to hit your play set of Siege Rhinos, because I bet they're good enough to justify playing four of. And God, they block the green creatures so well. Yeah, I think if you're running Rhino, you're running the playset almost every time. And then probably like one Kalidus, two Chariot, or vice versa with the ability to switch it up in the board depending upon what you're playing against. The question is going to be, is that better than Abzan Greasefang, which is the best of the Greasefang decks I've seen so far? Perhaps, and it could be you put those decks together. Because you could mm -hmm. also just be for Chariot and then throw some Siege Rhinos into the main and have a couple more in the board for matchups where they would be amazing. Mm. The, uh, the big flop out of this set has been red-white uh, heroic. Good. It's, I've seen a lot of people try it, and they have all gotten destroyed by Rakdos, and that's been the end of that deck. Within a day, it stopped getting tried because Rakdos is like, you know what? Favorite Hoplite doesn't do well. Fatal Push, done. Yeah, and, and once again, that's going to have to be the decks that go so big that, that uh, Machine Head cannot keep up with it. Yeah, And yeah. that'll be one of the ways to perhaps beat those and perhaps beat Blue. Mono Blue? Yeah. Hoplite? Yeah, like the, the, the red-white heroic style decks. 
because they get to they get to play a removal game that blue doesn't and they get to clock faster than blue maybe we'll we'll see the entrancing melodies and brazen borrowers really give those decks hell that is a problem yeah but yeah i could see it i could but see you, it you also get to pay like one mana to give your creature pro blue yes yes and it, like whoops it's bigger it, it turns into a very interesting game on that front but for now with with machine head running around in thick numbers i would not be trying to hoplite fucking anything no that's that's for a future meta that may or may not ever happen I, i'm sure there will be you know, particular days or events where for whatever reason, Rakdos isn't being represented. I see it go kind of in waves. Yeah. Especially when another deck just starts beating it and then it takes a while to figure it out. So you hop on with your Rakdos list and you start losing instead of always winning. And it's really tempting to be like, well, fuck it. I'm going to try something else, but <laughs> yeah, I'm loyal to the game. So I fucking figure out how to make Rakdos win. The best deck I've found against Rakdos so far is, is it fires? And that deck is incredibly difficult to deal with. Yeah, it's tricky. If they get a fires down and you don't have invoke next turn, they are going to blow you out of the goddamn water with Cavalier advantage. And it's not close. And they get Karuga, which is a huge amount of free yeah. card advantage after you've been working on tearing apart their hand. They're like, never mind, refill. Also an enormous creature. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's the go big but in a mid range way. And it's potent. It's extremely potent. I lost to and it was like a very close set of three but the deck we have is also more tuned than most Rakdos lists right where we were expecting things to go bigger so we had invokes and we had these other pieces that a lot of the other players didn't so i reached out and talked to the guy about it because he's a streamer and i you know i was like just toss me what your win rate is against Rakdos. it's like 82 percent and i'm like that doesn't surprise me this seems like it's built for that he's like yeah i got tired of losing to it i was like well good on you for finding the solution because most people haven't. Yeah, that's a fine solution. I'm already thinking of how I would beat that, though. Right. <laughs> which is Big Lily. Yeah. Big Lily's pretty good against it. You have a couple of issues with Cavalier Flames just off the top going nuts, which is how I lost game three. Sure. But outside of that, Big Lily is big game against decks like that. It's probably a matter of time until like one Big Lily belongs in the board again. Yeah. The invokes were an interesting choke point over Lily. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's. That's the beauty of this Rakdos deck and why neither of us can quit playing it. <laughs> yeah, it just, it keeps, it keeps being capable of mm -hmm. being finessed into what it, what it needs to be. Yeah. And I, I've been enjoying too, because from time to time I'll, I'll pop on to um, like MTG Arena or whatever that, that website is with way too many ads that takes forever to load. But Arena Zone or some yeah, shit. It has a bunch of current deck lists. Yeah. And almost every time I see a Rakdos deck list, I'm like, whoa, totally disagree with all of this. <laughs> you know, there, there's the core part that's going to be in everything. Um, you know, your fables, your thought seizes, your fatal pushes, your graveyard yeah. trespassers, whatever. But once we get past the core, there's still motherfuckers running a main deck on licensed hers. Yeah. And there's still motherfuckers running three more on the sideboard. Well, I've, I've stayed away from the Arena Zone list, and for a very specific reason, it's about two to three weeks behind from what I can tell. And I. That was not correct two weeks ago. That was not correct three weeks ago. No, but I'm saying like the most recent updated lists I find tend to be about two weeks behind in the meta evaluation from what I can tell. And the one where I've looked to find recent lists, Twitter's good for that. Uh, Discords, individual Discord servers. Hey, do we have one? We do. We do. If oh, you should join it. Crazy. We we do post individual lists in ours, but I also grab lists off of like twenty other Discord servers because all the pros have their own Discord servers. Right. You got to aggregate somewhere. So I just grab all the stuff. Like Levy has his, and you know, Duke. Everybody's got their own fucking server. So I joined them all, and I just grab lists from them as they pop out because they're like, "Oh, I'm testing," and like, "Here you go, barnacles," and I'm like, "Thanks, putting it on mine." Yo, ho, ho. Copy, paste. Got it. Thank you, LSV. <laughs> you know? So that's that's where all the recent lists seem to be because people like having their own servers and thoughts and the difference between their servers and ours is ours isn't about us. Ours is going to be about building a community, not a build, you know, our, our name brand as only us as the pros because we're not pros. Right. And dick pics. <laughs> and dick pics. Yeah. Deck pics of everything. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> what were you talking about? <laughs> I was just saying like an infographic is the best way to share. You know? <laughs> so anyway, that's that's all from this anthology. I think there's going to be some interesting shifts in the meta in the next few weeks as people try to parse through different deck ideas. There might be some straight up 
completely new shit. There might be a busted deck. We I haven't found it. I haven't seen it, but it could be out there. And we're there, waiting to see. There's got to be more than one Siege Rhino deck. There's got to be. Nobody's even tried Rhinos and Trackers, really. It does seem like they go together. Right? They're, they're kind of made for that exact mid-range battle. And Tracker is such a fine thing to pressure the, the marches of otherworldly light. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> you you got to stop it. You've got to stop it. Yeah. It just gets right under them. Yeah. Yeah, it does. The only thing that cleans it up with, I don't know, Farewell, I guess. But Yeah, and Farewell's great at all that shit, but it costs a bajillion mana. Yeah. The beauty of it is you, you could have the, you know, say you're playing against your Gandalf deck or whatever, and you resolve your tracker on turn three, and they're going to leave the mana up because if they don't, who knows what the fuck you're going to do. Right. And you could, I mean, in this fantasy world, you're dropping a fabled passage, right. cracking it. So now you have two fucking clues <laughs> with four mana up, and you smash in with that thing. What are they going to do? Like, if they don't wandering emperor it or march it they're taking this damage and then they're they're open to future turns and you can just do nothing yep. and crack both the clues at the end of their turn draw two more cards have that be a five four untap your next turn play yet another land and have yet another clue or they tap out and they kill it and you're like great a seeker's chariot great siege rhino great Kalidus, whatever right it's it's it creates a kind of an interesting problem where if they cannot counter everything on curve they're going to be in a huge fucking Huge fucking disaster. Yeah, and that's why I'm staying away from Gandalf because it doesn't have the most efficient way to deal with all the two for one value in this format. It's you've got to get to fairy resolved and stuck. Well, that takes me back to slaughtering it out of the deck. Yeah, that is definitely a way to go through it. And without Teferi, it's Dream Trawler or Bus Baby. I mean, Shark Typhoon, maybe, but that's so slow. I have beaten a resolved Shark Typhoon enchantment almost every single time it's happened. The only time I can think of that I couldn't beat a resolved shark typhoon enchantment was when it was backed up by three Teferis. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Teferi is the backbone of that deck, though. And what's weirder is most of the decks that are Gandalf only play three of them now. Seems wow. wrong. Seems so wrong. But that's what I keep seeing over and over is like, Three Teferi, two Shark Typhoon. I'm like, why are you not running four Teferi? Wow. I'm just just salivating and imagining the game where I get to like turn one Thoughtseize, the fucking dream trawler, mm. and then like turn four, just get rid of all the Teferis. Like, all right, you have one more dream trawler, motherfucker. <laughs> maybe. Better, better protect the queen. That's maybe. Maybe. Some of them only run one. Some of them run zero. Incorrect. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to beat Rakdos mid, Dream Trawler is the way through. Actually, that's another thing I was thinking about is like decks that are trying to get to Dream Trawler that aren't control decks. Like a Fires deck? Um, No, I was thinking like getting there with Accelerated Mana or like a Bant midrange deck that just has good mana. So we're not on the Indomitable Creativity list? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm talking about like just casting it. Oh. Just doing okay. a bunch of bullshit that your opponent has to deal with or they die. And then at the end of it, it's like, okay, cool. Dream Trawler. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that could possibly be viable. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And this is the question I actually have for... And the again, Tireless Tracker would be good there. Well, my, my question is, I, I like Tireless Tracker more than Rhino from this because Tireless tractor, Tracker and Omnath decks play really well together. Tireless Tracker just fits anywhere. If you need a three drop or like some three, four drop flexibility, it's fine as a five drop too that's what makes me wonder about rhino because omnath in my opinion is a stronger card than rhino and omnath is almost unplayable right now in explorer perhaps omnath's incredibly difficult to cast and you've kind of got to be all about it sure like you got to be backing it up with stuff that puts multiple land onto the battlefield consistently sure versus siege rhino it's it's the whole that's it you know it's all in one yeah no backup necessary here's a fucking tank yeah we're I, I don't know if, if you haven't played with siege rhino you, you you don't know but if you have i mean come on i guess to be fair rhino doesn't die to chandra or Glorybringer. that is a big thing nope or cut or cut and Omnath it, does it lines up really cleanly against your old growth trolls yes that's that is true it blocks whichever version of graveyard trespasser it is day or night it'll trade just fine with the questing beast 
Yeah, that's you're ahead of because then you've also drained them for three. Yeah, you got the mini helix in. <laughs> yeah, because it, it always creates value and it's usually a pain to take out. And yeah, you can fatal push it, but you've got to set it up. You've got to. And that's also true of many great cards, such as Kalidus. <laughs> but Kalidus can get fatal pushed without providing one iota of value. True. True. Anyway, we'll we'll be back next week to learn and talk some more, talk a little bit more about the lessons we have learned uh, with this new anthology, the new decks that we'll see, because we'll be grinding it out and cracking out as always. I might even try something other than Machine Head. <laughs> fucking knows. <laughs> I mean... I usually take some late night runs at different decks just to see if they're viable. And when I'm, inevitably they fail, I'm like, all right, back to machine head then. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to play ranked, I usually run machine head. Because... Baby, I'm sorry I even left. <laughs> I know. Every time. Take me back. <laughs> I'm drunk. It's late. What are you doing? It's very Thor love and thunder for me. <laughs> sorry, Stormbreaker. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Anyway, I'm Darth Rictus. Darth Camjantis, remember to love your hammer. Always love your hammer. Out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>